he, he's enough for us. And if he's enough for us, then, well, our view of all the other things in this world doesn't seem to be quite as bright. And our focus being on him, we realize that him is all we need. Life matters much more. So let's pray. Father, may our spirit be stilled. May our minds be focused. May our wills be surrendered. <laughs> to you and you alone. God, may this be a time that we come to grips with who we are apart from Christ and how desperately we need to be in Him. Lord, with all the business, busyness of life and all the issues we face, we so desperately need to see you and experience you like never before. God, may this not be a wasted hour. Lord, may your will be done in everything we say and everything we do. For it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Welcome this morning. If you're visiting with us at Eastside, this is not your church home. We would uh, hope that you'd pray about uh, God leading you to be at Eastside. God is doing some great things, and uh, God always doing great things. This is a great place to experience them. And so in, uh, at the end of the service, you can come down, let me know, uh, meet with some of the counselors. And uh, if we can answer any questions, please let us know. And so just uh, a church, make sure that you welcome our visitors this morning and let them know they're our special guests and just to make themselves at home. It's going to be a busy day. As you know, one of our own, one of our brothers has graduated. And uh, he has went home to be with the Lord, Brother Gene Lewis. And so uh, visitation will be immediately following uh, church this morning uh, at Neesmith Smith Funeral Home. And the service will be at 2. And so uh, you can go by there after service and pay respect. There's also a uh, shower here at 2.30. And then our ministry appreciation breakfast for supper tonight at 5.30. If you volunteer, if you serve in any ministry at Eastside, we want you to be here tonight at 5.30. And uh, just come, enjoy, and uh, we're just going to kind of cheerlead one another, talk about the future and what God is doing uh, in our church's life. God's got a special word for us today. I wonder, have you prayed for the message today? Have you prayed for the message we pray for those who are leading in worship today. If not, take just a moment right now in the stillness of your spirit. Pray that God will speak. God will move in all of our lives. Whatever happens here in the next few minutes, that we will leave having known we've been in the presence of the Lord. That's all we can ask. But that's all we need to ask. God can do great things. So let's worship today.
feedback we had. You practice and practice and you get in here to, to do it, to get a little warm. Um, but you know, uh, I had some different songs picked out for today, but as I was uh, laying in bed at 3.30 this morning, um, McLean burning up with fever for uh, day six in a row, um, just came in our room and uh, God just laid on my heart, like I was just thinking about, okay God, what's what's going on? You know, like, is this going to end anytime soon? Um, and, uh, you know, verses like, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Um, Therefore, do not be anxious, uh, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Uh, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Um, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Um, you know, I, I know those verses, and I know them to be true, um, but uh, do I actually take that and turn it over into worship in these times where just the stresses of life and the change of life are, are different than what they normally are? Do I you know, give God praise in the, in the bad as, as well as the good? Um, and that's where Blessed Be Your Name came from. Uh, you know, He gives and He takes away. We're in the desert place, uh, or we're with the sun shining down on us. Do we choose to praise our Savior? Um, and then every night, uh, when, I, when I put the plane to bed, lately he, he's developed this little habit of saying, Hey, Daddy, will you sing to me? Will you sing to me? And so we're either in the rocking chair, in the bed. I sing, and one night I had the flu recently, and my voice was like it is a lot of Sundays. I couldn't hardly get it out. Um, and I said, I'm a plane. My voice is not going to be good. I don't know if I can get this out. It's probably going to sound horrible. And he said, Dad, I don't care if it sounds bad. I just want you to sing to me. Amen. I was like, I think what God says to us, I don't care if it sounds good. I don't care what it looks like. Just sing to me. Just worship me. Just give me everything you got. And I know it's not going to be pretty, but I love you, so sing to me. And so I think today, that's our call. That's our that's what we're here to do. I think that's what he's saying. We're, we're all messed up. We're all going through tough times. We all got crazy stuff in our life. But he loves us. And he just wants us to sing to him. So this is one of the songs that McLean always wants me to sing uh, to him. But I think it, it's a song we all know. It's a song we all can sing. And we can all shout out uh, to our Savior, uh, who is a great and mighty God. <laughs>
great. We thank you that you are mighty. We thank you that you are faithful. Uh, we thank that you are all powerful. Uh, we thank you that uh, we do serve a God who we can be weary about nothing. We can rest in the promises that you give us in your word. I go Lord, out of that, I pray that we all would worship you. Worship you uh, because you gave your son as a sacrifice uh, to give us the promise of eternal life. Uh, we worship you because uh, you walk beside us each day and you lead and you guide. Uh, worship you because even though we can be messed up and we can fail you time and time again, that you are faithful and your love endures forever. Lord, we just uh come to you now and I just pray that um, no matter how it sounds today that we would sing to you, that we would worship you, uh, that we would have a desire to open up your word and uh, grow in you. Lord, for with you, without you, we're nothing. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we enter this time of uh, giving, this time where uh, we have the opportunity to give back a portion which you have blessed us with, that we would do so faithfully. Um, you're a faithful God. Uh, help us to be faithful. Help us to honor you. Help us to worship you through giving uh, today. Um, not because you need it, but because uh, we can take those tithes, take those offerings, and use them to spread your name, spread your word. Uh, help to point people to you. Uh, Lord, we love you and uh, just pray as we open up your word today that we would uh, hear it, um, that we would uh, feast upon it. Um, your word brings life. Uh, we pray that that takes place here today. We love you and we thank you for being an awesome and great God. In your most precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm just going to sing a hymn this morning, so it's not going to mean anything you hadn't heard before. But I wonder if you, um, I wonder what your 2015 is looking like. You too, I know. I wonder what's going to happen in 2015. I, uh, I am praying in particular these days. That I would uh, that I'd go in to circumstance saying gospel. Because I can I would make a long list. Circumstances that I would come out of saying God's He's completely reliable. You can rely on what he says, you can count on what he does. He doesn't change the way he operates, and I do. I try to change what I do and see if I can figure something else out. That's not what God does. He's not figuring anything out. He's got it. He doesn't change. And I act like there's going to be somebody different tomorrow than it was today or yesterday when he was faithful the whole time. And I wonder if he's going to do it again. It's not what, faithfulness is not what God does. It's who he is. He's faithful. That's who he is. And he's true to himself when I'm not true to him. And uh, he does the things he says he's going to do when I change. From doing what I said I was going to do because when I'm not faithful, God is faithful. When I am faithful, God is faithful. He is always doing what He said He's going to do. 
This is Rollins' favorite. I don't know if you have a favorite thing, but this is his favorite. But I pray whatever circumstance it is, whether you are going into your greatest success in 2015, or whether tomorrow something's going to happen that you didn't see coming, and it wipes out all the things that you think were pursued, that you can say, God, I'm not a perfect person. But I don't want the world to see fear in my eyes, wondering about who God is. I want them to believe that I know. That. Sometimes I wonder about myself. Blessing. 
I want you to turn. See, we, we get away from all that old stuff and we think old things that we did in church don't matter anymore. Let's see how quick you turn to Zephaniah. <laughs> Bible drills matter. Learning God's Word matters. And if you've got tabs, you're a chief. Don't buy a real Bible. I, my parents wouldn't let us have one. He said, you'll never be able to find anything if you need tabs. <laughs> Zephaniah. I asked some preacher friends of mine this week, I said, how many of you have ever preached a message out of Zephaniah? And I think most of you didn't even know it was in the Bible. These minor prophets, and I, I, I almost hate that term because it gives the idea that they're less than Daniel or Ezekiel or Jeremiah or Isaiah. But Hosea and Nahum and Habakkuk and Obadiah and Zechariah, Joel and Amos and Zephaniah matter just as much as the others. God has a word for us today out of Zephaniah chapter 3. If you see it, Habakkuk or Haggai, Haggai, you're close. Okay? You narrowed it in. Still he'll hear, hear paper, paper rattling. You'll get there in just a minute. It's very bold to title a sermon knowing the will of God. I don't mean that arrogant. But as you look at that road sign, how many of us are wondering today who, where, when, what, why, how? We all have questions. We all need answers. What am I going to do about this? Where am I going to go? How am I going to deal with this person? How am I going to respond in the face of adversity? What do I do when I perceive that I'm being attacked? How do I deal with not knowing how I'm going to pay my bills? How do I deal with the thought of losing my job or a rebellious child? How do I deal with these things? Remember what we said. Matt said, surrender. Philip said, he is faithful. So we know that. And we come to that point, we say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you. I know you're faithful. What is God's will for our life? Where is God going to take us? I want you very quickly, because it's going to be a very busy day, I want to very quickly go over verses 17 through 20 of Zephaniah chapter 3 on knowing the will of God. You see, the book... Zephaniah begins and ends with a king. It begins by mentioning Hezekiah. And it is believed that Zephaniah was one of the very few prophets that came from royal lineage. That he was a descendant of Hezekiah. And in the midst of this book, we see Josiah. Two of the rare breeds that were kings and faithful to God. Yes, they both messed up. Yes, they both had their issues. Yes, they both had wicked fathers and evil sons. But Hezekiah and Josiah were godly kings that ended, their lives ended in demise, yet trusting God. We see past and present were good kings. 
But the book ends with a promise of king. The king. The king of kings. And lord of lords. Amen. I don't know if you have forgotten. I don't know if you're so overwhelmed today. That it has uh, uh, lost its significance. But I want you to know today. On a rainy January Sunday in 2015. God is still in control. Jesus is still on his throne. And he is coming back for his church. He is still the Lord. No matter what the mayor of Atlanta thinks about a fire chief who stands up and says, my job is to glorify God and loses his job over it. You think that took God by surprise? You think it took God by surprise when those terrorists walked the streets of Paris shooting people? Think it took God by surprise when Air Asia fell out of the skies? I want you to understand with me today some assurance. He said in verse 17, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mine. Now there are some precursors to understanding this. He said, the Lord thy God. Now I got news for you. Everybody in this room can't say that. Everybody here, I, listen, I've heard it all. I've heard people say, I believe in God. Good for you. But that's not going to get you into heaven. That does not mean that he knows who you are. What we've got to understand is you can't get to God until you go through His Son. All roads do not lead to one place. Muslims will not stand before Jehovah in the way that we will as believers in Jesus Christ our Lord. A Jew who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah will die lost just like a Gentile will apart from Jesus Christ. Now, don't think I'm being anti-Semitic. Jesus said, I came into my own and my own received me not. And only a remnant trusted in Him. I have Messianic Jewish friends that are doing everything. I get emails every week from a group that's doing their best to evangelize and witness to their own brothers and sisters of the nation of Israel. Tell them that Jesus really is their Messiah. Notice what he said. The Lord thy God. Let's take it under the premise that by the end of this service, everyone will repent of their sins, trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and be issued into the very throne room of God. Then we understand the presence of the Lord, that He's in our midst. You believe He's here today? It's not based on entertainment. It's not based on the most homiletically proven message. It's not based on the comfort level of the chairs, the lighting, or the sound equipment. It's based on our willingness 
this to turn loose of ourselves and realize without Him, we are nothing. And when we get surrendered, when we get completely assured, when we come to the place that we're not faithful but He is, then we can experience God in our midst. And what does that even mean? First of all, it means that the Son is in our midst. The saving Son of God. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, Paul said, of whom he said he was chief. He had never met me. It means that in our midst the Holy Spirit exists. For in every believer here today, we know the Bible tells us that we are the tabernacle, the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit has sealed our spirit unto the day of redemption. Where we go, the Spirit of God goes. If it sounds like I'm a little jazzed up this morning, it's because if we get this, if we get the will of God, that peace that passeth all understanding, that joy unspeakable, the hope, that blessed hope of knowing will rest upon us and pour over us like the great shower of grace God intends for us to experience. And some of the desperation and some of the anxiety and, and the worry that encapsulates our daily lives can be laid bare at the cross so that we can walk victoriously in Him. In our midst, the Son. In our midst, the Spirit. In our midst, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Not was a God. The Word was God. The Word is God. And when you pick up this holy book, don't throw it around. Listen, there's nothing. And my mom and dad drilled it into me. But I believe it's the right thing. Don't you lay nothing on top of the Word of God. It stands true and honest. This is what you are saved through. It's not just a book, my friends. It is the living, inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. And when you've got a problem, open it and see doesn't God answer your problem. When you've got a question, open the book. Don't wait till Wednesday night to ask the preacher. Read it yourself. And don't live off the of devotions. Live off the Word of God. We can devote our devotions every morning till the sun rises and sets on the rest of our life and never dig into the truth of God's Word. Devotions are great, but put your nose in the Word of God. Desire it. Live for it. That's what David said. He said, I want it written on my heart, on my eyelids, so that when I'm awake or when I'm asleep, all I see is the Word of God. It will become a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It will become a sword that you'll be able to wield in the face of adversity. It will be a hope that you'll be able to raise up. Not just as some kind of cheap antidote, but the truth that in Him is power and love and a sound mind. We'll know that prayer is real. And God is true. Listen, Betsy Tinboom said the center of God's will is our safety. Where's your life today? The 
centered in God's will, you're doing what you want to do. You just keep doing what you want to do. How's that working out for you? If you keep on, I can assure you how it's going to end. Badly. But the one thing I do know, even in the worst of days, if I will just surrender to God, I know His way is always going to be better than mine. There is nothing I can imagine or can talk that can match the will of God. And because, you see, we can't see the future. We get all worried about it. But God's already there, everlasting to everlasting. And He's got it under control. In this text, in this little bitty short text, God's will is mentioned over ten times. What does that mean, God's will, or God will do this, or God will do It means in the Hebrew, to be pleased with, specifically to approve, or to delight, uh, delight or to favor. What is God's favor? What does God delight in? You know, we delight in our favorite team's winning. We delight in our favorite dessert. We delight. Find delight in exercise or in TV shows. We, we delight in certain things. And now instead of the one big console TV, it weighs more than a casket, you know, that we grew up with. And, and if you were young enough, you had to sit there and hold the rabbit ears just right. And daddy said, don't move. <coughs> and if you want to change the channel, you had to get up and change the channel. So now we've got a TV in every room and some in the kitchens and the bathrooms. So we don't miss a beat, and if we don't like what somebody else is watching, we can either send them somewhere else or we can get up and go there ourselves. Because we want our will. What, what we favor, what we delight in. Well, what does God delight in? What's His, His pleasure? We've talked about the presence of the Lord in our assurance and the person of the Lord, the purpose of the Lord. But I want you to see the Lord's pleasure in verse 17. The Lord's pleasure. He said, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. Now the word save is mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it carries uh, the connotation. It always means deliverance of some kind. Now, we know that he, uh, Moses stood over the Red Sea, held up the staff of God and said, Stand still and see the what? <coughs> Salvation of the Lord. Did that mean they were all going to be saved and go to heaven? No, it meant they were going to be delivered from Pharaoh through the Red Sea. And so we need to understand that in this context. Everybody is not going to heaven. I wish that to be the case. And I am of the belief that Jesus died for the sins of mankind, but that we choose openly to reject Him and die and go to hell. But regardless, understand God wants to deliver us in our lives. And I don't mean to sound Osteen-esque this morning. I have made it clear that it's God's will, not ours. You see, our, our misconception is we think that we pray to change God. What we're praying about is praying that God would change our will to conform to His. Not that we can somehow sway God and inform God on some little aspect of our life. He just didn't seem to catch. 
God knows your life a whole lot better than you know yours. We need to pray not that we change God's will, but that God will change ours. His pleasure is to set free. That's what this context literally means. He will set free. He will deliver. What is binding you up today? Let me talk to you Christians. Born again, without a doubt, washed in the blood of the Lamb. <coughs> Yet you've allowed yourself to be taken back into bondage by some sin. Not to be lost again because you can't save yourself, you can't lose yourself. You've been born again, names on in the book of life, but you've become bound up by worry, by money, whether too much or too little. You've been bound up by doubt and confusion. You've been down, uh, bound up by grudgery and envy. You're mad at somebody, you can't get over it. You know how to get over it? Get over it. The only person we hurt when we do that is ourselves. Turn it loose. And allow the Lord to tear every stronghold in your life down. What is binding you up? He said, He will save. He will set you free from the bondage of guilt that you have over something you did 40 years ago. God will set you free. Or it may have been something you did this morning. Either way, God is faithful. What's God want to set you free from? If you're lost, there's only one thing you need to pray that God can set you free from. The bondage of sin and the penalty of dying separated from the love of God and being damned to an eternal lake of fire. Look, it's not just the bad place. It's not just going away in some annihilation. It is literally the second day. This eternal separation from God. Where the Bible says, the worm dieth not. Where there's gnashing of teeth. Where it is nothing but torment. Day and night. You'll not cease to exist. But you will cease to be remembered. Because you see, your loving, godly grandparents, your, your children is trying to get you to trust Jesus as <coughs> a Sunday school teacher, your neighbor, your friend, that is born again. When they go to heaven and you go to hell, the Bible tells us in Revelation that God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. That means the born again people. And the only way we can live in eternal bliss in heaven, in perfection, is not to be able to remember the heartache of losing a loved one to hell. You will cease to exist in our minds. Separated eternally from the lake of fire and judgment. He will save. He will rejoice, he said in verse 7. He will rejoice over thee with joy. I love to see little kids trying to make mom and daddy happy. Did I do good? Did I do good? Yeah, you did good. You did good. I want you to understand, God, our Heavenly Father, 
It's not standing up here looking over his glasses down and, and trying to pinpoint. And, and, and Look, his holiness demands judgment. So anything you do bad can't be escaped. It's, it's either under the blood or you're the judge for it at the white throne judgment. But, but it's not ignored, okay? If it's forgiven, then it's for, forgotten. But God's holiness, let's just understand, God's holiness demands sacrifice. That being said, God is not there just to beat on you all day long. Believers, look, if you're praying, you're reading your Bible, you're trying, look, you're doing something right. Enjoy being obedient to God. Doesn't mean puff out your chest and act like you're something special, but be glad that God cheers you on. He will rejoice. Do you think God isn't excited when he sees baptisms go on where people have been saved? you think God didn't rejoice in hearing those songs sung this morning in worship? This is not about us. It's not about entertaining. It's about him. If you don't like it, if you don't like how hot it is or how cold it is or the way the chairs are set up or what building we're in or the PowerPoint or the hymns or the praise and worship or the way the preachers preaches or how long or how short which is very rare but if you don't like something go somewhere else find happiness in the Lord because I'm telling you here at Eastside what God is doing he's rejoicing he rejoices when he sees families dedicated to the Lord he rejoices when we get fired up about teaching little children about Jesus Christ he gets fired up when we try to teach our young students to be faithful followers of Christ and to be evangelists when they walk the halls of their schools. He gets fired up when young mamas and daddies get up an extra hour early to come and learn God's Word so that when they have children, they'll teach it to them. He said, He will rejoice. That means to cheer on. God just cheering them on. You know what tonight's going to be? We're going to enjoy pancakes and sausage. Number one. We're going to enjoy it. It's not going to be a bunch of how-to. We're going to go down, give you a bunch of lists, make you sign some covenant, have a blood test, and line you up, go through some oscopy or something. Look, we're just going to cheer it on. We're going to cheer on the fact that you've been found faithful. Amen. I'm thankful for you. I can't do all this. Michelle's thankful for you. Chad's thankful for you. John's thankful for you. Look, John's so thankful that every time we tear these things down and put them back up, he don't have to do it all by himself. <laughs> Amen, John? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for John. Now, when I get here, look, I may, I may get a little warm up here to sit or something, but I'm not freezing. And I'm not going to die from heat stroke. He's going to make sure all that stuff. And, and, and I'm thankful for our deacons who are doing what God has called them to do. And I'm thankful that I don't have to teach Sunday school for everybody because there's somebody teaching. Thankful for you. But look, my thanks can't come close to God cheering you on. God's like, go boy. You're doing good. Get after it. God's high-fiving us and he don't have any germs. <laughs> says he will rejoice look this ought to be a message we laugh and we rejoice because God is God and he's our God we don't have to cry out trying to prove that, that we're some kind of faithful with guns and kill other people we just want them to die 
live eternally. That's the difference in Christianity and all those radical religions. We want them to literally die to sin so that they can be alive forevermore. You want to change the Muslim? Introduce them to Jesus. You want to change people at an abortion clinic? Win them to Jesus. He will rejoice. He says he will rest in his love. Sometimes we think God's up there busy work like he's in a war room. And he's got uh, Gabriel and Stephen and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul. No, Peter and Paul's at the gates. That's what all the jokes say. So we've got to have Moses and Elijah maybe. And they're all around the war room table and say, what are we going to do about Peter? I didn't know this was going to happen. Did y'all know there's another shooting down there in Texas at some hospital? What are we going to do about Washington, D.C.? And the Russians, they're doing stuff at love. Didn't surprise me. It says he will rest in his love. He knows Jesus is enough. Amen? Do y'all think that you need Jesus plus anything? Because you don't. Jesus is enough. He's enough to save you. He's enough to keep you. And He's enough to guide you for the rest of your life. He will rest in His love. He will joy. <coughs> if you want to experience some of that God-sized joy, you better get here early Wednesday night. Last year, it was worse weather than what's out there right now. It was sleeting, and it was ice on the road. And we were talking as a staff, oh, you think we ought to cancel? Some of the schools have already canceled. We probably won't have 200 here tonight. Which is pretty good, you know, anywhere else, 200. But we're used to 500 with the Ugandan Thunder Choir. I said, they'll come. I have no doubt they'll come. And once again, it was standing room only. 500 people in here. I'm telling you, you think I'm joking. If you've not been, you better be here before 6.30. Or you'll be standing out there in the foyer in some overflow somewhere. You'll be tucked away in some nook and cranny. Because, look, there'll be so much joy on this stage. Orphans. Some that have never known an earthly father or mother. But they know the Heavenly Father who's delivered them. We need to understand that there's joy in the Lord. Because if He will joy, be openly glad, some of us ought to smile every once in a while. Huh? We're going to sing that Jesus is all we need. We're going to sing great is His faithfulness. We're going to sit there like this. Dude! Show up for choir practice. I've never 
yet seen Michelle say, you know what, we've just got too many and they don't believe in <laughs> She's like, if we could just get people to come, there's plenty of room. We'll bring more chairs. There's some of you I know can sing. Because I don't know if you understand, but I can sit up here and hear you. And others I've been closer in proximity. You can sing. Use it for the Lord. Come to choir practice and rejoice with Him. Let me finish. It says in verse 18 and 19 about the Lord's pleasure. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the sorrow ascending. Who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Now let me explain something very quickly. He begins this book, this, this letter, if you will, talking about the great day of the Lord, the judgment of God. And in context, he's speaking of the nation of Israel here. And it is the overflow of that that us as Gentiles who have been grafted into the body of Christ can receive these blessings of God's word. Okay? This is, this is speaking expressly about the prophecy of God resurrecting the nation. There had been a revival. King Josiah had led in a, in, in a revival. They had found the word of God in the temple, but it was too little, too late. Because of the sins of the people. And though the king led, Zephaniah was told to tell them, there's going to be a judgment. And so we see that the Lord's pleasure is He will gather. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. See, every time we meet together, it's not about just jumping up and down, feeling good, singing by y'all. But understanding, I want to tell you something. The day of the Lord is going to be great. It's also going to be terrible. And no matter whether you're pre-post, all, or pan-millennialist, there is a great day coming. A great day coming. <coughs> and when we stand before Him as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a lot of ugly besides the good. We think we're just going to stand up there He's going to just start digging out crowds. I'm going to something. The Bible tells us we'll be judged for all of our works. That means the sin we have committed as born again believers know it. We have the power of the Son of God and the Holy Spirit to lead us. We still rejected that and did not do what God had called us to do. That will be burned up as wood, hay, and stone. There's going to be a royal bonfire in the Lord. He will get it. It will be solid. For a time. Sometimes we need a solemn ascending. We need to come in and just let the Holy Spirit hover about our hearts. We need to get on our face before a holy God and humble ourselves and pray and fast for His return. I did my doctoral dissertation on prayer and fasting as it relates to evangelizing. And the one thing I found out was everywhere in God's Word that fasting is mentioned, it's always headed into deliverance. The first one we find, the truest one that God ordered, was prior to the Day of Atonement. They were to fast for 24 hours before the Day of Atonement. In God's chosen fast in Isaiah 58, He said not the fast of men, but the chosen fast of God, that the brokenhearted would be healed and those who are in bondage 
would be set free. We pray and we fast that God would set us free from the bondage of this flesh of sin. He will gather, remove and restore, but He will also undo. He said in verse 19, Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict me. It's going to be a judgment. It's going to be a judgment. You know, you can put off letting your parents know what kind of grades you're making until that paper arrives. Huh? Then there's going to be a judgment. You can cut up, <coughs> goof off, and not do your job to the end of the year, and your boss calls you in for your performance appraisal. You're going to be able to put it off past that. And you can live your life any way you want and think that you've got, got it on a string. You're making money hand over fist and you're enjoying doing all the things you like to do and you're going to be it and ain't nobody going to tell you what to do. I got news for you. It's going to all come undone when God judges it and make no mistake about it. He will. For He is faithful. Not just to forgive us of our sins, but He's faithful to judge that which is unholy. Because let me tell you something, it cheapens the grace of God and it tramples the blood of Jesus Christ to think that God somehow will ignore sin. Jesus died for your sin. So don't think you can put it off. He will undo. That's God's will. He will lift up. He said, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee and I will save her that halt. He will heal the hurt. Are you hurting today? Some of you have been hurting for a while. Remember that woman that came to see Jesus when he was born named Anna? Y'all remember her? There were two visitors, Anna and Simeon. Y'all remember how long Anna had been a widow? Somewhere around 85 years. She had gotten married as a very young girl, and her husband died very soon after their marriage, and she lived the rest of her life as a widow. And there was two great burdens on her life, the loss of her husband, and the looking for the coming Messiah. But all in one fell swoop, God alleviated it all. And she said it was worth the pain. For she held the Son of God in her arms. And she looked down and blessed Him. No doubt, like Simeon, didn't live very much longer. We often say, oh, they died in untimely death. Really? <coughs> Based on whose fault? God's in control. And I can tell you, as a believer, I know, I, I, I want to live and see my kids grown, have grandkids, do this and do that. But I can promise you, if I die today, I'm not going to be thinking about that once I'm gone. Y'all remember that old song? They, they wouldn't want to come back. I forgot the name of the whole song. I don't like all them tear-jerky songs. Uh, I, I like it when the rose called up yonder. 
Granger's not faithful to this. I like all that stuff. I don't want to hear that. When, uh, if I could only hear Mama pray with me. I don't, I don't want to hear all that business. It's good, but I don't want to hear it. Makes me sad in my flesh. But in my spirit, I know that to close my eyes on this side is to open them on the other. And that Brother Gene, Papa Gene, ain't worried about the health problems no more. He's not worried about getting up and getting his breath to get across the street. He is in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, church. Amen. Man, that's why we live. That's why we work. That's why we sing. That's why we go to church. Because He is the Lord. He will lift up. He will praise. That's, this part boggles my mind. It says, and I will give them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. The Lord's not praising us like we praise Him, but the Lord's going to bring, bring praise from the world upon believers. I know that's hard to believe in these days that he can do it. The Lord's pleasure, he said in verse 20, is he will bring up. At that time, I will bring you up again, even in the time that I gather you. It means to fetch up. Make no mistake about it. There will be nothing that hinders the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Heavenly Father looks over there at his son and says, go get my Children, And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus will come in the clouds. Could be the day. Hear me, church? Could be the day. Could be today. Is your house in order? Are you where look, you and your wife have been fighting for three days over? You don't even remember what it was about. You just went to bed mad, so you decided you'd get up mad, and you stayed mad, and you won't talk to each other, and you don't even remember what it was about. Get it right this morning. You and your kids have issues. Get it right. It may be somebody that's not here, and you can't get it right between you and them, but you can get it right between you and God this morning. He will bring up. He will fetch up, and that day's coming. And He will make up. Will finish us. You know, that sappy little line, Jerry Maguire, where he tells the woman, You complete me. I've got news for you. You're an empty vessel until the Lord completes you. He, today, will make you. He'll make you to be everything that He wants you to be. And that's far beyond anything you can ever imagine or hope to be. He said, at that time, I will bring you again. Even in the time that I gather you, I will make you. What? Make you a name. I will make you a praise among all the people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes. Signed... The Lord. What the Lord puts his signature on, nobody can break. You see, Frederick Faber said, There are no disappointments to those whose wills are buried in the will of God. Are you living in disappointment today? 
And you've got to say, am I living the will of God? Am I tormented by something? Is there a great angst and worry and anxiety that's overwhelming me? Are you allowing the will of God to be prevalent in your life? Are you living separated from the grace of God that Jesus died so that you may be set free? The Bible says that if you'll believe this word, that Jesus Christ is real and came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived without sin, and died on the cross for your sins, buried in a borrowed tomb, and risen eternally. If you will believe that in your heart, I mean believe it, with every fiber of your being, knowing that you are hopeless without Him, and you cast it all on Him, and plead for His forgiveness. The Bible says you shall be saved. So let me ask you, can this be our prayer today, church? Jesus said, pray after this matter. And if you know, you pray with Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom. Thy kingdom. Thy what? Whose will? His will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As they come for a hymn of invitation. If that's your prayer today, come and tell him. Come and tell him right here in an altar of prayer. Abraham built altars. It was where he met with God. Uh, uh, those other men in the Bible alive to build one of the greatest altars ever known to mankind where God visited and did a great miracle. God wants to meet with you at this altar today and change your life. With all respect to those around you, please let our focus be on that God's will be done today. As we stand and quietly come to this altar, will you surrender to his will today? Right now. Right now. No time to waste. To him or away from him. It's your choice.
He just wanted to share a word of testimony about uh, God's will and prayers. Can you hear me? There we go. <laughs> I just want to come today. I've, I guess in somewhat I've let the Lord down. I've, uh, I joined Rehoboth uh, about two years ago. And uh, I wanted to thank all of y'all. Nearly three years ago now, Aaron had his accident. And uh, he changed our lives. God changed our lives. We, uh, I realized that night that God was in control. And it don't matter how many times in your life that you doubt God's word. It's all you got to do is open your arms and your heart and give your heart and spirit to the Lord. And he'll be there for but I want to thank all of y'all, along with lots of other churches around the country, that prayed for us. It's prayer does work. Aaron's a living testimony, and I've got a seven-month-old grandson by him right now. And uh, we're tickled to death with him, and uh, we love him to death. We just thank the Lord of him. But I want to tell y'all how much we thank y'all for prayer. and. It don't matter where you're at in your life. Give your life to God. And He can change. There's nothing He can't change. And uh, I love you all. Thank you. And don't get comfortable. That's why I was about to say this. I want to tell this and I know you need to go. But don't get comfortable in life just knowing, just because you think you know God. You need not to be, be slow to criticize and quick to help someone less as like myself. I walked the face of this earth for 50 years, cousin. I didn't mean no harm by it. I realized that today, but I was wrong for what I did. And through Lord, through God's help, I've quit. And I still say whatever now and then. I can't lie to nobody. He knows the truth. But every time I do it now, I apologize to God. Right where I'm at, I don't care where I'm at. But thank you all. God bless you. And I love you. If not, we praying for uh, the Lewis family today and uh, remember all the other announcements. Uh, Strickland shower at 2.30, 3 o'clock, 3. 5.30 uh, ministry, uh, workers appreciation, and uh, God and Thunder Wednesday night. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, Tammy Hall. That uh, is the runs the chamber of commerce. Her husband died yesterday, and so uh, be in prayer for for Tammy and for that family. Yes, and these boys, uh, we're going to talk with their parents, but they they uh, they both trusted Jesus Christ their Savior last Sunday after the service. Amen. We talked about baptism and other things, but. 
They wanted to make it public. We're proud of both of these guys. All right, anything else? Man, we need to put some tables out uh, on that side there so we can get that party in chairs. Okay. Yeah, because the, the Godwin children are being here this week, and so some of you guys will stay here for just a quick minute. That'll be good. All right, if there's nothing else, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We rejoice that your will is greater than ours. May, may our lives be swallowed up. <coughs> may everything in our lives.